Welcome to Build with Hari Rao, a podcast by Get Ready Ministry. Let's receive today's word. Greetings, greetings, greetings. I greet you in the most precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe that you have been walking with the Lord and prospering in your walk with the Lord. I want to welcome all of you in the most precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe you are ready for today's word and uh, I'm excited to bring you God's word today. I hope you are ready today. We're going to get down and dirty. We're going to deal with how do we overcome sin? How do we have victory over sin? How do we have victory over sin? It's part of our series on the precious Holy Spirit. And it is impossible for me to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and not cover this area. How a believer is meant to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. I believe you have um, already shared the broadcast with somebody. If you have not, please go ahead and share this broadcast with somebody. Post it on your Twitter, Facebook, or even better, send it as a message, a direct message on WhatsApp and Telegram. Today, I believe it will bless somebody. It will bless somebody. Amen. Are you guys ready? Are you Can we get into the word right away? Can Because today we're going to take some time in sharing the word, breaking the word. I want to encourage you to stay the complete duration. You know, most people pop in and pop out. Don't do that today. Stay the whole service. Let us start, um, you know, I before we get into the word, I want to ask you guys, are you guys being blessed by the series on the Holy Spirit? Have you been enjoying and chewing on the word that we have been bringing to you about the Holy Spirit uh, in the last couple of weeks? What a blessed week at last week was and the week before. Let me know if you have been enjoying this series uh, on the precious Holy Spirit. For today's um, message, today's sermon, let's go to the Gospel of Romans, uh, the letter to Romans, the letter to Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans. We'll start at chapter 7. I'll read for us. We will start with verse 4 onwards. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, now I want you to highlight that, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the Lord were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. I want you to pay attention. These are very, very 
powerful concepts. And I want you to see the language Apostle Paul is using here. Listen to this. For while we were living in the flesh. So there is a way of living. Which he is describing as living in the flesh. Our sinful passions. <laughs> uh, not the devil. Not some bad brother, bad sister. Not some other person. Apostle Paul is saying, our sinful passions. Oh my God. For while we were living in the flesh. So when we live in the flesh, he's using a possessive pronoun and saying, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So sinful passions aroused by the law are working in our members or working in our body, working in our flesh. Verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Verse 7, pay attention now, very, very powerful stuff. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me. Now he's talking about another <coughs> entity. Now what is he saying? For I would not have... Um, but sin, verse 8, but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. Verse 12. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin. It was sin. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Wow. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Now I want you to watch these next verses and tell me if you can identify with the following verses. Verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want. And I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who does it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know 
that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Oh my God. Let's read that one more time. For I have the desire to do what is right, but I do not have the ability, the power to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I, I who does it or I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. <laughs> the first time I read this passage of scripture, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Um, the book of Romans, the letter to Romans is one of the most powerful books in all of the Bible. And this is the great apostle Paul that is writing. And he is talking about his own personal struggle with sin. And he makes this, oh, how beautifully he has explained it. He's saying, I have the desire to do what is right. I have the intention to do what is right. But I always end up doing what is evil. I end up doing what I do not want to do. Then he's saying, then I recognize that a part of me wants to do what is right, wants to live holy, wants to live righteous, wants to live a life that is pleasing to God. Yet within me, I also see, I also notice a power. I also notice a force that is not allowing me to carry out these godly desires, to carry out these godly intentions, to carry out and live this holy life. Th then, and he calls this power, this force, sin, S-I-N, sin. Says that now within me, there is a law, within me, there is a power, within me, there is a force that is not allowing me to do the righteous deeds, that is not allowing me to do the good deeds, but there is a law, a force and a power that is causing me to live and do things that are ungodly. Isn't that amazing? So now he is recognizing that there are two conversations happening inside of him. One conversation is that, man, I want to live for God. I want to live well. I want to live righteously. I want to live in holiness. I want to obey the word of God. I want to, I want to, I want to live the way God wants me to live. There is desire. There is intention. There is a want. May I even say a necessity to live right before God. But then he's saying, but also inside of me, oh my God, there is a force and a power that is not allowing me to live that way. Both are inside of me. Both are fighting me. Both are struggling within me. This is Apostle Paul, by the way. This is not your uh, run-of-the-mill believer. This is not your 
God saved yesterday, Christian. This is Apostle Paul that is writing and saying, I recognize there is a war. I recognize there is a battle. I recognize that there are, there is a conflict happening. My God. Can we continue reading this? So, so rich, so rich. Verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want. Now if I do what I do not want. It is no longer I who do it. But the sin that dwells within me. My God. So I find it to be a law. That when I want to do right. Evil lies close at hand. For I delight, listen to this, listen to this, okay. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. My God. <laughs> then look at verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my body, but with my flesh I law I serve the law of sin. Ah. Can we can we unpack this? Can we can we break this? Can we open this up? You know, I must be honest in telling you, when I talk to you today, because we're talking about the area of sin, I don't want you to think I speak to you from a superior place or I'm speaking as though I am high and mighty, holier than thou. No, I speak to you as a brother, as a father, as a co-believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has had his own struggles and who has learned to depend on God, who has had seasons of victories, who's had seasons of defeat. And, but I, have, I, I understand the pain. I understand the turmoil a believer goes through. Much, much like Apostle Paul. I can identify with Apostle Paul and I know many of you would join Apostle Paul and say, what a wretched person I am. That I want to do the things, I, I want to do certain things, but I'm not able to do it. The good things I want to do, I cannot do. But the bad things I hate, I detest, that I don't want to do, <laughs> I end up doing. Wow. Yeah. Today, let's unpack this. Let us unpack this. First thing I want you to know, I, we have to, uh, how many of you have prayed this prayer? How many of you have prayed this prayer? Lord, this is the last time and I will never do this again. Oh, I will never lie again. Oh, I will never commit that sin again. Oh, I won't do that again. I won't get into that relationship again. I won't cheat again. I won't do that. I won't do this. 
And within 24 hours, within a week, within a month, there we are, square one. And we're praying the same prayer again. <laughs> oh, gosh, have mercy on us. How many of you pray that way? We all have, at some point or the other, we all have. I also want you to notice something. When we get born again, it, it seems like certain sins, S-I-N-S, certain vices seem to be, we seem to be delivered from them right away. It, it, it's, for some people, it looks like they used to be a drunkard and suddenly they don't drink anymore. Or they used to be addicted to certain substances and they don't uh, indulge in those substances anymore. Or, or, or they, they used to watch certain kind of movies and they don't watch these movies anymore. Or they were addicted to lying and instantly they don't seem to be. But having said that, there are certain areas that seems to be stubborn. There are certain habits certain sins, certain um, quirks that are very, very adamant, very, very persistent. You have prayed, you have fasted, you went for deliverance meeting and still they somehow seem to come back and rule in your life. Yeah? Okay, okay, let's, let's be honest today. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We have to become real in these areas. You know? There's no power in pretending. There is no power in faking holiness. <laughs> you know, demons can smell sin. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. So, Apostle Paul is saying, there is a law. There is a force. There is a power. That is ruling in me. That is not allowing me to execute the desires, the godly desires I have. Which means this power has hijacked a certain part of my being that controls execution. That controls my ability to carry out my godly desires. Yeah. And he calls that power sin. Not sins, S-I-N-S. Not sins, not the different kinds of sins we commit. But sin, S-I-N, sin. He gives that power that stops us from doing and living God's way, sin. Yeah. Now, what sin does? Let's go back to the beginning. Maybe then you will understand this. Because when we say sin, most of you are thinking about that one thing that you do all the time that you should not be doing. When I say the word sin, what comes to your mind is all the failures you've had. Right? You, you, you didn't want to watch a movie, you end up watching that movie. Or you didn't want to lie, you end up lying. You, you, you don't want to steal, but you end up stealing. You don't want to commit adultery, but you end up committing adultery. You don't want to, uh, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, 
you don't want to bribe the cop, but you always end up bribing the cop. Yes, that is a sin, by the way, if you didn't know. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a sin. It's, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. Uh, you don't want to pay for that movie, so you torrent it and you download the movie and you watch the movie uh, without paying for it on their theaters. That's a sin. It's called stealing. <laughs> it's a sin. It's a sin. You see your neighbor driving a brand new car and you are driving your eight-year-old bike and you're like, ah, I wish I had that car. It's the sin of covetousness. I want you to know, when I say sin, or when the Bible in this context is saying sin, we're not talking about the acts of sin. We're not talking about the different kinds of sins. We're not talking about different ways that a human being is supposed to sin. When we talk about sin, when we talk about this force, that is causing you to sin, we're talking about a controlling power. We're talking about a law that is working in your members. Let me, allow me a few minutes to break this down for you. Okay. When Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they had only one commandment from the Lord. You can eat from all the trees, from all the fruits of the garden, all the vegetables of the garden. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the only thing that was forbidden for them. Are you guys with me so far? Everybody's with me, right? Okay. There was, God didn't say, Adam, don't beat your wife. God didn't say, Adam, don't be violent with her. God didn't say, Adam, don't rape your wife. God didn't say, um, <laughs> Eve, don't beat up your wife. God didn't say, Eve, make sure you don't lie, don't lie to him. He gave them one command. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the only commandment. He didn't talk about any of these other sins that you see today in the world. You don't see any of the gambling. You don't see any of the uh, pornographic stuff. You don't see the stealing. You don't see the killing. You don't see the murder. You don't see any of these things. One commandment. One commandment. And as you know, Adam and Eve went and ate from the fruit. Ate from that tree. And the Bible calls it a sin. But wait, they didn't kill anybody. They didn't murder anybody. They were not violent. They didn't do any of these things that we generally consider sin. They, weren't, they didn't do anything like Sodom and Gomorrah or, or, or there were no sexual sins. But they ate from the tree that was forbidden. So, and the Bible calls that a sin. 
Bible calls that the original sin. Okay, so what then is sin? What then is sin? Because this is important, very, very important. Very important. What then is sin? Sin is a departure from God's prescribed way of living. Did you hear me one, one more time? Let me say that. Sin is a departure from God's way of living. God has asked us to live a certain way. God has prescribed a way for us. And when we deviate, when we move away from that way of living, when we digress from that way of living, we are now sinning. Mm. Now we are living a sinful life. This is very important. That's why Moses on the mountaintop, he prayed a, an amazing prayer. He prayed an amazing prayer. Amazing, amazing prayer. He said, show me the way. Show me the way. If you are not careful, you will think that he's asking for a geographical location. He's asking for uh, like Google Maps, show me the way, how to go about in life. How do I take people from the wilderness? No, 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 no. He already had the map to go to the promised land. So he was not asking for geographical routes. He was not asking for geographical ways. He's like, show me the way that I'm supposed to live that is ordained by you. Show me the way to live that is pleasing to you. Show, oh my God. So you must get this. Sin is a departure from the original intention God had for you. Mm. What is it? Sin is a departure. From the original intention God had for you. My God. Which means <laughs> you can be a person that doesn't watch X-rated stuff, that doesn't lie, that doesn't steal, and you can be a morally upright person and yet be a sinner. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You can. How many of you know non-believers that live better lives than Christians? Let's be honest. How many of you? I'm sure you know somebody in your life who is not a Christian, who is not a believer, who doesn't pray to Jesus, who doesn't come to church, but morally they are cleaner. They have a more upright life. <laughs> Yes. How many of you know some people that? They don't smoke. They don't drink. They treat their parents and their wives with respect. They pay their taxes. They are good people. Just because they are good doesn't mean they are not sinners. Just because they are morally upright, it doesn't mean they are living in the way that God ordained for them to live. So sin is a departure from the original intention God has for us. Yes. Sin is a departure from God's prescribed way of living. So in the garden, there was no rape, there was no stealing, there was no murder. There was no uh, uh, whatever these different acts of sin. 
But God told them, this is the way I want you to live. This is the way I want you to live. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with my image. Fill the earth. You can eat of anything that's in this garden. But I forbid you from eating from that tree. Okay? And they went and ate from that tree. By that act, they chose another way of living. They said, God, I do not want to live the way you prescribed. I do not want to live and carry out my affairs, carry out my business, carry out my marriage, carry out this assignment you give. I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it another way. And the other way here was to go eat from the tree, to go partake from the tree. Oh, gosh. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But most of you will, have you ever wondered, come on God, it was just a tree, it was just a fruit. They didn't harm anybody. They didn't. It's, why couldn't you just forgive it? Like, oh, come on, it was just, it's just one random tree. No, it was not a random tree. It was not a random fruit. It was not about, can I be honest and tell you, it was not even about the tree so much. It was, it was the fact that they digressed and deviated from the way God asked them to live. So that deviation, that departure from the intention from the original intention, plan and prescription God had for them. That departure is called sin. That moving away is called sin. So, if you look up the Greek word for sin, it says to miss the mark. To miss the mark. But in order for you to miss the mark, there must be a mark. There must be a target. There must be a way that you're supposed to live. And for you to sin is to miss that way, to miss the mark, to deviate. Yeah. Now, something powerful happens. Something powerful happens. Yeah. Yeah. When they ate, my God. So when they ate from the tree, they chose another way of living. They chose another path. They chose another way of doing life. In the garden, they were led by God. They were full of glory. They were full of power, full of grace, full of mercy, full of truth. So they were led by God himself. But when they chose another way to live, that's when they came under another controlling power. They came under the rule and reign and influence of another power. Now they are no longer led by God. Now they are led by another entity. Now that entity is called sin. That force is called sin. 
So the original sin is not just moral failure. The original sin is not just sexual sin. The original sin is not sin against another human being. The original sin is against God. The original sin is against God. When man said, I don't want to live by your way. I want to live a different way. Yeah. I want to live a different way. So then what happened? Oh my God. Adam didn't know what happened right away. Adam didn't know. Adam didn't know. Sin entered the human being. Adam and Eve. Sin entered the human being. Sin, 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 sin. Now within that power called sin, within that power or that controlling force called sin was every other sin hidden. Rape was there. Murder was there. Lying was there. Stealing was there. Killing was there. Rebellion was there. Pride was there. Jealousy was there. Oh yes. Every other types of sin was inside the nature of sin. My goodness. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, something is going to break over your life. Just the entrance of God's word brings light. As I am teaching you, you will begin to see why you struggle in some areas. You'll begin to see why there is no freedom in certain areas. So within that sin, oh my goodness, if you had asked Adam, listen to this, listen to this. Adam never committed murder. Adam never committed murder. Never. Never committed murder. Didn't have the desire, didn't have the inclination, did not have, didn't want to kill his wife. No. But his sons, Cain and Abel. Now Cain and Abel were born. If you read Genesis 3, 4 and 5. Now Cain was not born in the image of God. Cain was born in the image of Adam. Go back and read it. Cain was born in the, Cain and Abel were born in the image of Adam. And this image of Adam had fallen. Okay. Now I want you to stay with me. Sin that was now dwelling in Adam never moved Adam. Oh my God. It never moved Adam to murder. But the same sin inside of Cain moved him to cause murder, to commit murder. It, it had changed. It had metamorphosized. It was now showing another ugly head that it had within him. Oh. <laughs> this is where it is scary. This is where it is scary because you think 
ah this is nothing this is just one movie this is just one thing this is just one lie this is just one thing i'm doing no 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 maybe in your generation it will remain only a lie and a movie and another generation it will put its ugly head out in another way you might have never wanted to rape somebody but that sin has the potential to cause somebody else to move into a place of rape you might have never murdered somebody never murdered somebody at at worst you might have been angry at worst at worst you might have been angry but if you don't deal with the nature of sin it in another generation in another way that anger can manifest as murder yeah oh ah gosh i hope you guys are learning something today i am learning as i am teaching you you know my father pasha shaiju gave this very beautiful example my father and the lord i thank god for his life i thank god for his life he said one day he, he was teaching us and he said this he said a rat it can come in through a certain hole in your house or a certain opening in your life a rat can come in through a certain opening maybe it came through the kitchen came through the washroom wherever balcony what you're thinking is that the rat will stay only in the room that it came in but seldom does the rat stay where it entered the rat is now going to go anywhere in the house it wants to oh my god did you get what i said you think you can control the rat <laughs> or oh, there's a small little opening in the balcony i will make sure that the rat stays only in the balcony that's where you're wrong once it's in the house it will make other holes it will make other points of entry it will go into different it will go into places you want don't want that rat to go it'll go into your bedroom it'll go into your kitchen it'll go into your prayer room it'll go into your living space it'll go into your father and mummy's room you can't control the rat once it's inside and that's how sin is you and i keep compromising we keep thinking oh it's only the small thing oh it's only a lie oh it's only small anger i even apologize to my wife after i get angry with her oh i apologize to my father after i beat him up <laughs> oh no 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 that's where you are wrong beloved you think you can control sin you think you can control what areas it can touch that's where you are wrong you can't control sin there's only one way to deal with it get it outside your house there's you you don't sympathize with the rat you don't sympathize with that sin are you with me so far so what is sin sin is a departure from the way god has a prescribed for us to live sin is a departure that's why 
<laughs> I, I know. That's why there is no room for spiritual pride in the family. Because that other guy, he could be doing something that is terrible. And you must be feeling so good. Oh, I don't do that. I, I don't have such a big sin. Thank God. But yet, you can have what you think is a small sin. Now, that big sin and that small sin are both departures. Are both sins. Adam never murdered, but his sons murdered. Adam never raped, but his grandchildren raped. Adam never stole anything, but his grandchildren looted cities. Oh my goodness. I'm just allowing this to, to hit you, to settle and sink into your heart and your spirit. So sin will enter your life as an act. Sin can enter your life as an action. Okay? But sin doesn't remain an action, doesn't remain an act, doesn't remain an incident. Sin becomes a way of life. Sin becomes a way of life. Okay? I want to show you something. Go to Genesis chapter 6. I want to show you something. Adam committed one act of sin, correct? Which was, which was eating from the forbidden tree. That was Adam and Eve's sin, correct? That was one act, one departure. Now Genesis chapter 6. I'll read for you verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Ooh. See what has happened? One man's disobedience one man's choice to live differently, to live separate, to live a different way from the way God had told him, has now all of mankind, all of humanity. Look what has happened. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention, my God, how did we go from one act of sin and one intention of sin? Now every thought, every imagination, everything is sinful. My God. So sin has a multiplying effect. Did you hear what I said? Sin has a multiplying effect. Sin is an unwanted virus, unwanted bacteria that will keep growing and multiplying. 
How many times have you tried to negotiate with sin and you have always lost to sin? Sin takes more than what you want to give. Let me say that one more time. Sin will take more. Sin will always take more from you than what you want to give. It's a lie that you think you can control sin. I want to show you something now. Let's go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. 7 actually. Romans 7. Romans 7. <sighs> verse 5. 7 verse 5. For while we were living in the flesh. So the way living in the flesh is the lifestyle that is not dependent on God. The lifestyle that is away from the way of God. The lifestyle that is not Christ-like. That is called the life in the flesh. Okay? Our, our sinful passions were at work in our members. My God. Mm. Let's read that one more time. Sinful aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which has held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit. Now, I want you to, I want to quickly, I want to show, show something with you. A lot of people thrash the Old Testament. They say that the, the power of sin is because of the Old Testament. Because Apostle Paul says that in, in both in Romans and in Galatians. So what they say is, oh, the Old Testament is, is that the, the law is the problem. The law is the, No, the law is not the problem. The law, the law made you aware that there's a problem. Did you get what I said? The law, the Ten Commandments and the entire Old Testament is written to prove to you that sin is working in you. This is very important. There are a lot of hyper-grace preachers that rubbish the Old Testament. They don't have the counsel of God. If, if I, let's say I'm driving a car. Forget me, we'll take somebody else. A person is driving a car and he's driving the car at 200 kilometers. Okay, but there is no speedometer. There is no um, mechanism for him to gauge how fast he's going. Right? But he is going at 200 kilometers. He doesn't have a way to measure that he's going at 200 kilometers. And traveling at 200 kilometers is risky, is dangerous. So then a mechanic puts a speedometer there and the speedometer begins to show, hey, you're going at 200 kilometers. You're going at 200 kilometers. You better reduce your speed for you to be safe. Now tell me, 
is the problem with the speedometer or is the problem with the guy that is going at 200 kilometers the problem is not the speedometer the problem is not the mechanic the problem is that i have a desire to drive at 200 kilometers which is risky now because there is a speedometer the government says, hey, listen, we have a way of measuring speed. We have a way of measuring speed. So we're going to make a law that says anybody that goes above 80 kilometers, you will pay a fine. Because the law says it is best and convenient for people to drive below 80 kilometers, to drive below 80 kilometers, to drive. It's, it's safe. And anybody that crosses the 80 kilometer mark is now going to pay a fine. Now tell me, is the government wrong for putting up a fine? Is the government wrong for putting a limit on the speed? Is the government wrong for having a functional meter? No. What is the problem? The problem is I still have an appetite to drive beyond 80 kilometers. So the law is not the fault. The law is only telling me you're overspeeding. The law is telling me this is dangerous. The law is telling me you're going to get a fine. You're going to get a fine. <laughs> the law is not evil. The law is a measuring stick. Ah. The law then tells me a second thing. That even if I want, I can't reduce the speed. Even <laughs> I can see the signboard. I can see that I, I know I must go at 80 kilometers. I know there is a punishment. There is a fine for driving above. But I can't stop myself from slowing down. The law showed me that I am not in control. That I have no power over my speeding. The law showed me that there is a problem. I cannot slow down even if I want. I hope this is helping somebody. I hope this is making sense. My God have mercy. So now I am aware of the law. I'm aware of the punishment. I am aware that it is not best. I am aware that it's not healthy. I am aware that all of these things and yet I can't help myself. And that is what Apostle Paul is telling us. I want to do certain things, but I can't do certain things. I want to live a certain way, but I can't live that way. There is a problem. There is a problem. There is a problem. There is a problem. The law showed me I can't help myself. The law showed me I can't overcome sin by myself. You know, this <laughs> oh thank you jesus i remember i was in a youth camp many 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 years ago i think it was in uh, a small town called trichy in uh, tamil nadu about 200 150 200 young people i don't remember exactly and they had a q and a and i had another panelist with me and uh, and the, one of the young people asked the question, 
how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and the other panelist said, you have to live a holy life. <laughs> you have to live a holy life for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have to live clean. You can't do any of these things. And of course, and please, when I'm sharing this with you, I'm not against holiness. I'm not against us living right. But I, I was so young, so I was very arrogant. I looked at the panelists and I said, is it okay if I share another point of view? Is, is it okay if I share a contradictory point of view? And the panelist was very generous and said, please go ahead. I, I looked at that young person and I say, listen, if you can live holy and pure and blameless without the Holy Spirit, then you don't need the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. If I can live the God kind of life, if I can live the way God designed me to live without the help of God, then why do I need the Holy Spirit? If I have to be perfect to receive the Holy Spirit, if I have to be blameless to receive the Holy Spirit, then what function does the Holy Spirit carry out in my life? No, I cannot live the way God wants me to live. Hence, I need help. Hence, I need the Holy Spirit. Hence, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for perfect people. If I can do all of these things without the Holy Spirit, without the help of the Holy Spirit, why then do I need God? No. So then I present to you, my precious people. And, and this is how I am bringing you back and connecting you to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Okay? To live in the way that God wants us to live. To not miss the mark. To live as God designed us to live. To live as God prescribed us to live. Ah, oh my God, my God. What did I tell you? The law showed us that we cannot help ourselves. The law showed us that we cannot live healthy and holy and alive and righteous even if we wanted. The law told us that there is another power that is controlling my execution. The law told us that we just understand that there is another power called sin controlling my life. So what Jesus does, what happens in salvation? What happens when I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Two things happen. One, the righteousness of God is given to me free of cost. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to me. Oh, hallelujah. Because it is true. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in an unclean vessel. It is true. The Holy Spirit is so pure, so holy. God is so pure, so holy that he cannot behold sin. It is true that God hates sin. Now, there is a problem. God loves me but hates my sin. 
And because of my sin, he can't look in my direction. Are you guys with me so far? Please, I, 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 I need you to stay with me. I need you to be with me. God loves me, but hates my sin. God loves me, but hates my sin. God loves me, hates my sin. He's so pure, so holy that he can't look in the direction of sin. God loves me, hates my sin. He's so holy and pure, but he can't look in the direction of sin. God can't behold sin. So there is a conundrum. God wants to help me, but in order for him to help me, he must look at the sin that I am in. Ah. So then what happens? Oh, this is where the precious work of Calvary comes in. This is where our Lord Jesus Christ comes in. God sent his only son. God sent his only son to die on the cross on my behalf. He took my sin. He took my iniquity. He took all my mistakes on him, died in my place. And now here's what he did. He took his righteousness as the only begotten son of God. He took my sin in, and instead of my sin, he gave me his righteousness. It is called the substitutionary work of the cross. He took my place and I took his place. Ah, God took my place. Jesus Christ took my place. And in his place, he gave me access. Oh, good Lord, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. That is why we are washed by the blood. So when I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's an exchange. He takes my sin and gives me his righteousness. Now, when the Holy Spirit looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ and he comes boof. He enters my body. He enters my soul. He enters my spirit being. Yeah. He sees the righteousness of God. He sees the righteousness of God. <laughs> now the Holy Spirit comes into my being. And now when temptation comes. Well, now, when temptation comes. Now, when the devil comes to tempt you. Now, when lust comes to tempt you. Now, when the things of the flesh come to tempt you. You are no longer powerless. Now, when temptation comes, there is another voice. There is another force. Now there is a battle. Now there is a... Uh, <laughs> now it is not just your willpower. Now it's just not your mental capacity. Now it is not just your conviction. Now there is a real power of God that is there at your disposal to challenge temptation. Now you are not helpless. Now, now you are not helpless. Now there is the presence of the precious Holy Spirit. 
Now there is the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why there is a backing. That's where the Holy Spirit wages war against your flesh. Now, can I share something with you? When you got born again, I want you to pay attention. So when you get born again, when you get born again, your flesh and your soul are not born again. Your spirit man is what is born again. Your spirit, it is in your spirit you become born again. Your soul and your flesh remain the same. This is very important. That is why sometimes you can be born again and you sometimes fall in sin. That's why you can go to church Sunday morning and you'll get so mad at your wife at lunch after Sunday morning. Your, your spirit man is born again, but your soul and your flesh still have the blueprint and the imprint of the old man. Your soul and your flesh still have cravings. That's why if you like chocolate cream before, if you like chocolate ice cream before you were saved, you will still like chocolate ice cream after you are saved. <laughs> Did you get what I said? If you like chocolate ice cream before you were saved, you probably will still like chocolate ice cream after you are saved. Being born again doesn't mean your soul is erased. That's not true. That's why you still have memories of, of your life before you were saved. That's why you still retain memories from... If, if God were to make your soul born again, if God had to clear, like wipe away your soul, then you won't retain any of your memories. You won't remember your previous life. You will not remember what happened at all. Ah, No. Your spirit man is born again, but your soul and your flesh enter a process. Apostle Paul calls this, work out your salvation. Apostle Paul calls this, the renewal of your mind. Yes, 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 yes. Well, which means at born again, when you are born again, your spirit man is instantly born again instantly that is why in a moment you 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 go from being a heathen to a beloved son of the father in one second in one moment you go from the wildest sinner and you become a beloved child of god but your soul and your flesh your soul and your body are entering a process whereby the renewal of our mind we work out our salvation every day that is why there is a struggle that is why there is a battle that is why sometimes you fail but this time when you fail 
It's not the failure of Adam. This time when you fail, you have the opportunity to return and continue to live by faith. This is so important, so important, so important. Now, I want to give you two things. I want to give you two things. Okay? Two things. Two things. Now, some of you must be asking, what is the way of living? What is the way? What is the way I'm meant to live? What is the mark? How does God design? How has God designed me to live? How has God wired me to live? Now, there are two ways of answering that question. One is, I can tell you, don't sin, don't commit adultery, don't drink, don't smoke, don't lie, don't cheat, don't covet, don't do this, don't do that, don't, 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 don't. I can give you a whole list. In fact, the list is so long that you can't even keep track of it. Are you guys with me so far? Okay. I can give you a big list. Or I can point you to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And say, live like him. He is your mark. He is your blueprint. He is the one we are meant to imitate. <coughs> the problem Adam had. Adam had no point of reference. Oh, good Lord. Adam did not know how he was supposed to live this life. Adam had no point of reference. Adam had no blueprint. God told Adam, I have made you the blueprint. You're supposed to be the blueprint that is supposed to duplicate and fill the earth. So Adam went and messed it up. So that's why one of the reasons Adam failed. But you and I have the most blessed blueprint called Jesus Christ. He is the way. <laughs> now, most of you said that when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life, you, all of you thought he was the way to heaven. No, no, no. He is not just the way to heaven. He is the way to live. He is the blueprint after whom we fashion our life. So what you have to do is if you don't want to miss the mark, if you don't want to live in sin, if you don't want to commit these different kinds of sin, you fashion your life, you build your life after the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. You look at Jesus and you live like Jesus. Yeah. What is the way? Jesus is the way. What is the mark? Jesus is the mark. How do I live? Jesus. Ah, my, my, my goal is not to live holier than my neighbor. My goal is to not live holier than my wife. My goal is to not live holier than my pastor. My goal is to live like Jesus. My goal is to live like Christ. So Christ is the way. 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 So you set your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. 
That's the first thing. Second, now the precious Holy Spirit comes into your life. Not to make you a pastor, not to make you a prophet, not to make you an evangelist. No, he comes into your life. While all of that is true, these are functions. The primary reason the Holy Spirit comes into your life is to make you a son like Jesus. The primary reason the Holy Spirit comes is to make you a son like Jesus. He's to transform you, is to build you, is to transform you into the very image of the son who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Ah. No, this is, for many of you, you must be thinking this is so simple. But for me, it, it excites every bone in my body. Every bone in my body. Every bone in my body. So we are meant to be transformed. And how are we transformed? By the precious work of the Holy Spirit. I want to give you one verse. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. We'll go into this a little deeper next week. But I want to I want to close with this. Let's start with verse 11. But if the spirit of whom that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. But if the spirit of whom that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So who's going to quicken our mortal bodies? The spirit of God. Verse 12. Therefore, Brethren, I love this verse. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh. To live after the flesh. We are debtors not to the flesh. To live after the flesh. Ah, man, I don't have time to get into this. But we will, we will do this tomorrow, next week. Verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, which means that even after being born again, there is a possibility. There is a possibility for you to live after the flesh because the flesh is not dead. Because if God had to kill your flesh, you'll be dead. <laughs> uh, for if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you, now watch, this is important. But if you, through the Spirit, because now you have been born again, you have received the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. But if you, through the Holy Spirit, crucify the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live. You will live. Now, the Spirit of God is living in you. 
and has given you the power to crucify the deeds of the flesh. Now wait a minute. How can I crucify the deeds of the flesh? How? Which means the deed of the flesh will come to me with a temptation. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, gosh, have mercy. Which means there will be temptation. And temptation is my opportunity for victory. How can I crucify the deed of the flesh? The deeds of, how? How can I crucify the deeds of the flesh? If it was non-existent, why do I have to crucify it? If the deeds was non-existent, it was already dead and gone. Why do I have to crucify it? Which means the deeds of the flesh are not dead and gone. They are very much active. Very much active. Which means that even after you are born again, temptation will come. But this time, you are not an orphan. This time, you are not powerless. This time, ay, 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 ay. This time, I, I feel something. I feel something. I feel something. This time, when the serpent comes to tempt you to eat of the knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this time when the serpent comes to tempt you, you have a helper, not outside of you, but living inside of you. The problem Adam had was Adam had to wait for the cool of the day for the Lord to come. Adam had to wait for that appointed time for the Father to come, for God to come and for them to have a fellowship, for them to have a conversation. But this time when the serpent comes to tempt you, this time when the enemy comes to tempt you, this time when temptation comes, the Father is not outside. You don't have to wait for an appointed time. You don't have to wait for the cool of the day. That Father lives in you. The Holy Ghost lives in you. You have been made the tabernacle tabernacle of God. God dwells in you. Oh God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Which means you don't have to run to a temple. You don't have to run to a church. You don't have to run to a pastor. You can now call upon the name of the Lord wherever you are. There is a power now living in you. There is a glory now living in you. There is a grace now living in you. Now there is a power. Oh, I feel something right now. Ah, you are not an orphan. You have not been left alone. <laughs> hey, somebody shout. Somebody give them glory. Somebody shout wherever you are right now. The spirit of God dwells in you. So now you have power. Now you have grace. And now you can use the Holy Spirit to crucify the deeds of the flesh. You have the power. Listen to this. I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit will not crucify you. 
you will crucify it. You will mortify. You have to kill the sin. You have to crucify the sins. You have to, ah, the victory is for you to take. Thank you, Father. Ah, God, I wish I had more time. I really, really wish I had more time. I feel something. I'm telling you, I feel something. I feel something. Tell me if, I, if it's just me. Tell me if you feel what I am talking to you about. That you are not left as an orphan. You are not left alone in the time of temptation. But you have an ever-present helper. Ah, you guys are blessed. You guys are blessed. Now I want you to, I want to close with this. Your help is not outside. Your help is inside. Your victory is not outside. Your victory is inside. Your helper is not living outside of you. Your helper is living inside of you. Let me pray for you now. Let me pray for you. You know, in my spirit, I already feel chains have been broken. Certain weights have lifted. Certain patterns are broken. God, I am. So, Father, thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. We don't deserve this precious gift. We didn't earn this precious gift. But he has come to us on the merit of your son Jesus Christ. To give us victory. To give us power. To lead us into total and complete victory, O oh God. For that I thank you. For that I thank you. I love you, Lord. Bless your people. I declare that this is a week of victory. We give you all glory and honor and praise and thanks. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Please consider sharing it. And for more information, log on to harirao.com